Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, for more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hello and happy Monday. Today is July 25th, 2016. I'm Michelle Pache, filling in for Jeannie, and I'm here today with Dr. Michael Rice. We warmly welcome you to the show, and thank you for choosing to be with us. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and it puts you into queue to talk with our host. We encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, allowing you to actively strengthen and deepen your practice. So now let's welcome Michael in support of developing our inner process of Aramaic forgiveness. Well, thank you, young lady, and welcome everybody to the show. We're honored and delighted that you're here to share this space with us. Jeannie and I are still on the road. We're actually just getting ready to head out of Columbia, Missouri, stopping to do some food shopping on the way back to Heartland. So we'll be there in the next couple of hours. Our little van is loaded to the hilt. We pulled a trailer to Florida and uh, carrying all our kitchen equipment and everything that's needed for intensives. And so we're hauling all of that back, but uh, left the trailer in Florida in order not to have to haul it up here and back again. So we're pretty loaded. Some people have seen how our car gets loaded when we're traveling, but we are on the road and all things moving forward. If you're ready to step into the next level of doing your work, then you might want to look at the summer schedule. Excuse me if you're hearing a little bit of noise. I just uh, was doing the shopping, and Jeannie came in and took over so that I could get out in time to start the show. So so if you're ready to do another level of your work, we'll be starting in, uh, gee, Another week or so, the 1st of August, we'll start a 10-day food fund forgiveness program, forgiveness and work program. That's kind of the economy structure for uh, visiting Heartland. Then we'll be doing a nine-day Why Is This Happening to Me Again, where we do energy field work, healing through relationships, communication, purpose, Why Is This Happening to Me Again, still point breathing. We'll do a three-day uh, personal code evaluation training for those who want to work with the personal code evaluation. We'll be making it available online so that uh, you can uh, utilize it with uh, people that you're working with to help them to pinpoint issues. And if you do an intensive, by the way, you 
you get uh, three personal code evaluations, one to begin this, the uh, intensive. Where, and the idea there is it will give you feedback on exactly where your greatest blocks are and where your greatest gains can be made. At the end of the intensive, you'll know exactly how effective your work has been because you'll do another evaluation to see precisely what your score changes are. And, uh, and then there's one more evaluation that's somewhere down the road, a month, two months, six months, when you feel like you want to take another look at what your, uh, your number one assignments are, then you get to uh, do a third evaluation. For those who are uh, doing an intensive, that's included. And then if you want to learn so that you can utilize that with clients and such, uh, we'll have the uh, three-day personal code evaluation training. And then toward the end of August, we'll start a 16-day Laws of Living and uh, in that one, we look at uh, the fact that law has nothing to do with the rule of a superior. There's no superior that says, you have to do this or I'm going to be mad at you and punish you. That's all made up by men. Law is simply the way the energy forces of the universe work in the ancient Aramaic. That's the understanding. And the idea is to come into full conscious relationship with those eternal forces. And so there's a whole series of tools that we present, some pretty deep material for 16 days to look at the uh, coming into relationship with those eternal forces. And, uh, you know, when you understand them and you're in relationship with them, you don't bump into them. You don't get bruised. You don't get hurt. Life tends to be a whole different process, a whole different game. And one of the focal points I want to start with is the first law. You know, they asked this man, Yeshua, 2,000 years ago, you know, all this stuff you're teaching, all this stuff about the eternal forces, what's, what's most important, what's first? And we're told by the Greeks that he said, well, you know, you've got to love your neighbor, you've got to love the creator, and as you do yourself. And that's a total, complete, I mean, so far away from the mark interpretation of what Yeshua actually said that it's almost unfathomable. And what he said was, you must have rachma for the creator, for neighbor. And by the way, in Aramaic, neighbor means anybody that you think about. You think about the guy in the Middle East that wants to supposedly, at least according to some people, kill everybody in America because our lifestyle got nothing to do with the fact that a million and a half have been murdered there. That's, that's, that's got nothing to do with it. But that's another story. But if you want to, uh, if you think about them, the law was you maintain this thing called Rachma in your mind and what that was was a filter in the frontal lobes of the brain that empowers you to maintain your human life. So the directive was have Rachma for the creator, for neighbor, in order to maintain your human life. And a human life, if you hold a newborn child, you know exactly what it is. Take a look around at the world and, and ask yourself the question, how well are people in general doing at maintaining their human life? Well, you know... If you look on the political stage, there's none of it. It's zero, obviously. There are human forms, what look like human bodies, but there's no human life active in them, at least on those platforms. You don't see, well, I can't say as I've seen any of it, let alone not much of it. So, so when human life is gone, it's because there are two other filters in the frontal lobes of the brain that inhibit the activity of Rachma, and replace the activity of Rachma, blocking the gateway for the entry of love into the human form. Those two filters were hostility or fear. 
the tendency will be for people to follow the pattern of their power person in what their mind defaults to when they're under stress. And so I just the, the question I would ask today is I'd invite everybody to look at when you're stressed, what filter does your mind default to? Does your mind default instantly to love? And are your perceptions in that situation based in love? Is a perceptual construct in your mind looking at what's loving in this situation? What can I tap into that's going to support me living as a human being? Or does something else happen? Is there a different default? So if rock is active, it constructs behavior prompts that will prompt you toward loving behavior. So if you're stressed, do you automatically go toward loving behavior? The second one, fear, when fear is active, and this is how you can tell, you know, they said to Yeshua, well, you know, how do I tell what's going on? How do I tell what's happening? He says, look at the fruit, look at the result. So if your perceptual construct is one that prompts you to do a loving behavior, then you know you've got Rachma active, and that's going to support you living as a human being. No matter what's happening in your world, this is independent. You know, in the, the most terrible, disgusting situations, you want to have that condition of Rachma active in your mind, and if you do, then what's going to happen is life is going to tend to flow in a loving way. If fear is active, then the mind produces constructs that prompt negative behavior, whining, complaining, and interpreting everyone and everything through a negative mindset. If hostility is active, then that constructs prompts for vicious behavior. That's where people step into attack and negativity. So just to ask yourself the question, what does my mind default to? Where does my mind automatically go when I'm in stress? And if it's not to love, then you want to start if you really want to have a human life, then you have to start looking at that and start to do some work to remove the things that cause you, if you find yourself defaulting to hostility or fear, to remove the energies. And, of course, the removal process is called forgiveness. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn the show over to Jeannie for a few minutes to talk about uh, the intensive, the women's uh, intensive that's coming up in September in Michigan. And I'll be back with you momentarily. And that gives me time to load the car while Jeannie shares with you about the women's intensive. So I'm going to give her the phone in just one second. Jeannie, are you going to use Michael's phone? I don't see her phone number on here, so I'm not sure. Um, Dr. Tim? Yes, Michelle. Hello. Hi. There we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, so we were just shifting places in the van, too, so I had to get in. He got out. Uh, so anyway, yeah, Michelle and I are planning a women's intensive. Um, August 25th is the uh, final date that we have to have payment in and count. If we don't have at least nine participants by that date, we're not going to do it. So there's been at least six people tell me that, yeah, I'm coming. 
So we need you to go ahead and get registered for that. And, Michelle, thank you for the pictures. They're absolutely beautiful, and I'll get those on the flyer and on the website. And so the information is that it's going to start on Thursday, September the 15th. I'm just opening my calendar here while I'm talking. So it'll start on Thursday, September the 15th at 5 o'clock, and it will go till Sunday after lunch around 1 o'clock. That's the 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th. And we're going to cover a variety of information. There's going to be at least 20 hours of class time. We'll throw in a couple of hours there to relax beside of Michelle's pool. She has an absolutely awesome space, a beautiful space there. And so nine residential is the maximum um, besides Michelle, myself, and the lady who's going to be doing the kitchen. Uh, Eighteen is the grand total, including the commuters. And so we are looking forward to it. I think it's it's exciting, and I think if everybody who says, yeah, I'm coming, comes, then we'll have a full house and probably even have to be telling people, look, we're full. So what do you think about that, Michelle? Think we can handle that? I think it sounds wonderful. I'm um, singly focused towards that date and living into it and um, just really taking it to my own other level in any way I can. Yeah. So having thoughtful conversations with my family around this and um, I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. It's going to be awesome. And so I wasn't listening because I was checking out. So do we have any callers or do we um, want to take the conversation in another direction or where do we well, want to go um, until Michael Tim gets back wasn't, on? Um, here for a week. So um, He's I been vacationing, yeah. <laughs> so Dr. Tim, tell us what's going on for you. Did you enjoy your time? Did you get refreshed? I did. I had a lovely time. I basically unplugged, and part of that was just accidental because the place I went to had uh, no self-service on my phone. So I rode my bike and took pictures of birds at the Horicon Marsh National Wildlife Preserve and just slowed down for a week. That's awesome. And did you get a uh, a catch up of what all went on at with your support groups while you were gone? We had one one group that I missed on Tuesday. I left on Friday morning, and I was back in time to do the next Thursday because that group is younger and it's in my office. So at this stage of the game, I need to be here to run that one. So. Um, the Tuesday, they they watched the um, Dale Allen Hoffman's video, The Word, and we had somebody who was one of our regular members who was quite a diligent worker, and she um, decided to do a worksheet. So the report I got was it was a lovely group and very intense and and then, of course, I was here last Thursday, and we had that group, and we watched one of the talks from Guy Finley's Talks in the Pines this year and then discussed more in depth this whole concept of how do I how do I take full responsibility for everything I'm feeling. And one of the things Guy Finley said is that my sole responsibility as a human being 
is to step into the realization that whatever I'm experiencing is a result of what's in me interacting with outside events. It's never just the outside events. It's always an inside job. And so we had a lively discussion about that, and that brings you up to date on the support groups, which are one of the biggest blessings in my life. And then yesterday, kind of as as these things go, kind of a last-minute thing a couple of weeks before my vacation, um, somebody wasn't able to be the speaker at the Unity yesterday, so I agreed to do that. So I came back from vacation um, pretty well prepared and then did some more preparation and gave the talk at the Unity in Woodstock yesterday. And um, and they had specifically asked about some of the key words in the Aramaic which have either lost their meaning in translation or been distorted for various reasons over time. And so I, I talked about uh, Sata and uh, Satana and Rachma and the whole concept of everything being an inner process, all of the ancient teachings from Yeshua and other great teachers were about an internal process, and that's why they, in terms of the the language, they they gendered the words feminine. And in the ancient Aramaic, what that meant is they were referring to an internal process rather than something external that could be felt or tasted or touched with the senses. And so that was the gist of my talk yesterday and and that brings us back to today i haven't because i didn't have service i wasn't able to download the talks last week and listen to them so i will or the uh the radio shows so i look forward to doing that and getting caught up on all that's happened in this loving community while i was away do a service just out of the blue did you know before you left you were doing that? Yeah, just a, a couple of weeks before. Ah, uh, okay, cool. I remember one time I went to uh, Unity of Branson just to go to church, and uh, the minister had been up moving all night and was feeling sickly. And he said, Michael, would you do the service? Okay, let's go for it. So it can be interesting when you get uh, called on the spur of a moment. But anyway. It's the kind of thing I would normally like to have, you know, a month to to prepare for and in little bits and pieces and but this was kind of a last minute in that perspective and with all of the all the way that spirit works the the primary thing I wanted to start to talk with got blown out of the water because the musical guest did a song that was so right on and moving that I was moved to tears. So then we had meditation, and when I got up to talk, the tears came back, and so I missed the entire foundational piece of the talk that I was going to give, and something else came out instead. So I'm sure it's exactly what some people needed to hear, because it was beyond my ability to plan it or control it. 
was probably more powerful than what would have been done otherwise. Those spur-of-the-moment live things are always pretty awesome, especially when something's that inspiring. Very cool. Well, let's check with Michelle and see if she has anything to share and uh, and see if there's anybody in the chat room with a hand up or anybody in the phone queue that uh, has a question for us. Hi, Michael. Um, hey, young lady. Hi. Uh, chat room is quiet and uh, several people listening, but no one with a hand up. But I do see someone from my Mindshifter support group um, in the telephone number, so I'll invite her to put a hand up. Uh, I have a client who works with the tools for almost as long as uh, I have, and she's really an inspiration uh, as far as how um, consistently she returns to the worksheet, the wake-up sheet, and, and uses it and applies it in her life. So. Fabulous, fabulous. And Jean's been showing me the pictures of your beautiful home that you're going to be doing the intensive in. looks like a sweet space to work in. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm excited um, to have people there. And, and um, you know, I, I see that, that home as a, a place for healing. And so I'd love to christen it in, in such a way with Jeannie's help. That'd be awesome. That'll be awesome. I'm excited for, for Jeannie doing it, and I'm excited for everybody that'll get to participate. It's a powerful experience when she does that. So, very cool. So you've got a uh, client that's got uh, going to share something with us, you think? No, You're no. You're coercing? Yeah, she's, she's listening. And, you know, I brought a, I brought a, a new person to the show, and uh, she's in my office listening, and so... You know, keeping the conversation um, going at, at, at any um, opportunity is, I find, most helpful for me. Sometimes I think about um, my challenges with um, using the tools or that there's so much work to do. It feels like it's never going to end. And I realize, um, and to maybe, I mean, you can agree this, that, you know, because of our um, vocation, I get to have this conversation several hours a day, several days a week, and um, I can't imagine, you know, having a, a corporate job and, you know, having to worry about so many other things and not be able to really right. focus on the. I hear you. you know, eight hours of accounting and then do the forgiveness work. Right. Yes, I, it, it's. I've certainly found it to be quite a blessing that um, I walked away from the business world about 40 some years ago and uh, I'd been doing this work part time while I was in the business world but I had three businesses and 60 employees and just came to the point where well I got to make a choice and I feel so uh, so blessed that I'm selected uh, doing the inner work as my path because of course it's kept my nose to the grindstone and keep my nose to the grindstone to uh, to uh, stay involved in the work because I can certainly see if I were still back in that grind I was in the food business and uh, 
it was, you know, 16, 18 hours a day, nine days a week, even though they're only seven days in a week. And uh, it was never ending. And I realized that I'd have never stayed involved deeply enough to get to the point where I realized. And one of the things people say, well, you know, Michael, you're saying it's going to take me 20 years, 10 years to really start to get anywhere. It's like, well, you know, why would I want to do that? It's like, well, in 10 years, how old are you going to be? Oh, I'm going to be 45. It's like, okay, if you don't do the work, how old will you be? 45. If you do the work, how old will you be? 45. And what will life be, at for, life be like at 45 if you get rid of the huge bags of garbage that have created the traumas that you've been experiencing so far? It's like, well, obviously it's going to be a little different. So, so why wouldn't you do the work and 10 years from now, instead of aging, you're starting to you're moving in the direction of life and aliveness then the direction of the good old family pattern of you know whatever the good old family pattern is and uh, and at the same time be able to make a contribution to the culture to open the space for things to be different for people who who wouldn't otherwise take the time you know i mean i've been almost 50 years overall so i was in, still in the business world the first 6 years i was doing this and then since then have been full time in doing this work. And I, I just can't fathom how somebody carries on in the regular work and uh you know, really really gets to live human being. It's it's uh there are so many stresses and strains that we've been enculturated to ourselves under and and think that the cause outside of us and to bring it back home and recognize that I can make different choices. I've got to have the ability to choose. And, you know, resonance isn't choice. You know, the mind telling me what I should be doing, the mind forcing me into, you know, behaviors is not choice. So it's a, it's a blessing to be sort of in, in forced growth mode, which is sort of where, where you put yourself to. That's pretty cool. Michael? Michael? I'm wondering if we've got anybody. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Can yep. you hear me? Yes, we do. Yes, area code 808. You're on the air. Who do we have on calling? Hi, this is Roma. Calling. Hi there, young lady. How are you today? Well, I'm pretty good. I just realized I was sitting here listening to the program, and I just realized there was something I wanted to share, which was it. Last Wednesday, I went to the eye doctor, and the time uh, six months before that, it was February 3rd, and my right eye had a cataract, which has been growing very slowly over the course of the years, and the doctor, in February, he said, well, do you want to do a cataract operation? And I, you know, trembled a bit and said, well, let me think about it, and um, it took me six months, but I went to the uh, to the um, to the appointment on Wednesday, ready to say yes, okay, let's go for it. And then this little voice in my head said, unless my eye is better. So um, did the eye test. You know how the eye test, uh, the words are big, and then they get smaller, and they get smaller, and they get smaller. And right. when we were testing that eye, uh, in the big letters, I missed two. But all of a sudden, I had this physical sensation of something peeking out from behind a tree trunk and coming around 
and then reading perfectly. My vision was hiding behind, I guess, the cataract. And all of the smaller rows of letters were perfect. So, of course, the result of the test was 2025 instead of the 2040 that it had been in February. And the doctor, being a doctor and seeing hundreds of people, forgot that we'd even had that conversation. And I said, well, what about the cataract operation? (laughs) And he said, you don't need it. (laughs) So it was a miracle. Willingness to see. Well, you know, I, I think we could probably trace that back to about the minute that it happened. I mean, the culmination of years of work, because I know you've been working for many years, but you look at that point where you really looked at that victimhood thing that you did about, what, maybe three or four weeks ago on the show? I mean, mm-hmm. the shift in your energy was so monumental. The shift in your voice still today is so monumental that I suspect that's probably the moment at which you just said, okay, I'll dissolve that thing. Yeah, I'm ready to see. That's, that's, and that's I remember we, and, yeah, and I remember having heard a conversation. I think I forget the lady's name about uh, uh, about vision, and I I think there must be. What's the difference between the word vision and sight? Is that what is that what I was perceiving? I mean, it was a physical sensation right. of something coming yeah. out from behind from hiding behind the tree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that well, the difference? Vision, to me, vision would be my ability to comprehend how the world could work. What vision have I been given? And if I've had my vision blocked, you know, children come in with great creativity. They go to school, and usually by the second year of school, their creativity is pretty much gone. And they've been told what's possible and what's not possible, and all of a sudden their vision of the possible has been destroyed. You know, well, that's utopian. You could never do that. So that would be vision is my capacity to see that we could be living in a world where there's enough abundance for everybody to have it all. You know, there was an article I posted on Facebook a, a week or so ago, and um, half, a full half of the food, fresh food, that is grown in the United States ends up in garbage, doesn't get eaten. Now, there's obviously enough food to feed everybody in the world. Somebody doesn't have little green paper strips to get the food into their mouths, and so they starved, literally starved to death. So, so that vision, the, chi- you know, the child is told, well, you know, the world, that couldn't happen. The world can't work that way. That's just not the way it is. And so that would be vision. And then sight is, what does my brain generate the world I see out of? I bring in frequencies through my eyes. The eye is a one-way device. I bring in frequencies. My brain generates a reality, a picture a replication, either accurate or inaccurate, of what it is that I think I'm looking at. And so that would be sight. When I tell my mind that I'm not allowed to see, that I'm not supposed to see, that I don't want to see, that I don't want to deal with this, then I start to shut down my ability to see. I remember working with a guy in Texas back many years ago, and he was in his 60s, And he touched into, he was doing a worksheet, and he touched into being, if I remember correctly, he was nine or ten years of age. And he was putting on a little bit of weight, and his friends were calling him Piggy. And he didn't want to hear it, and he literally turned his hearing off. And at the age of whatever it was, nine or ten, he started to wear hearing aids. He was still wearing those hearing aids at the age of 60-some at that intensive. And he he, he got in touch with that dealt with that and said he was willing to hear within two or three minutes 
this guy's looking really startled and looking around the room like something's really wrong here. It's like, what's going on? He said, Why is everybody yelling all of a sudden? It's like, nobody's yelling. You just turned your hearing back on. And he was able to take his hearing aids off and hear perfectly. So, you know, our, our ability to generate images based in what's actually going on in the world can be compromised by our instructions given to the mind. And when I change those instructions, it can change. So nice work. That's a powerful piece of work to stand in the willingness to see. Yeah. Really and and what did he, what did, I mean, did he have any comments on, wait, wait a minute, this can't happen because of course it can't medically, it can't. Did he have any comments on that or was it just kind of like, okay, we no. won't talk about this. So yeah, I might get more sued okay because with... maybe, maybe it was a misdiagnosis. So I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut. No, there, there, he, there, he have, there wasn't a negative energy coming out of him. It was just like, oh, well, that's nothing. And so that was kind of interesting. You know, uh, I mean, it, it just, yeah. So, well, but you just challenge I, everything he knows. I mean, you challenge everything he knows, so I can only imagine it would have to be, there would have to be a lot going through his mind at that moment. <laughs> Gee, you know, I measured well, he these was eyes really just good at a few weeks it. ago. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Yes. He, he was just, really good I, at I hiding it. I can imagine. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Just sort of nonchalant. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, this is normal. Cataracts just go away. Yeah, nonchalant. That's a good word for it. Yeah, cataracts mm-hmm. just go away. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, nice funny. work. Nice piece of work. That's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to share it with you all. Okay, cool. Well, all right. have, a great, all right, have, a, uh, have a great time. Okay. Aloha. It's in the plan. Aloha. All right. Well, our call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you're on one of those stations where we can't see you or hear you, in our control panel, then if you call that number, you'll be listening to the show on your phone. And then if you push one through the magic of technology, a little hand will go up on the screen. I mean, this is just so amazing. You may be in Timbuktu, and you push one on your cell phone, and the radio station in New York will send out a signal to Michelle's computer in Michigan and a little hand will go up in front of her eyes on the screen. <laughs> and she'll know you want to say something to us. So pretty amazing technology that we get to keep a record of these conversations and these sharings that, to me, are so inspiring and so empowering uh, that we have a, a permanent record. is pretty awesome. So anything happening in the chat room? Not Anybody right now. with a hand up, uh-huh. Michelle? It is quiet right now. Everybody's quiet. Well, come on, somebody put your hand up. If, if we'd been having this conversation uh, in your local library or at your local university or in your local church, I'd presented these ideas. Dr. Tim presented what he said. What would you be asking us when we walk down off the platform? I know you wouldn't just sit in your chair like, oh, well, nothing happened. I know you'd be walking over saying, and here are the words that I hear from 99% of people I just have a quick question. I mean, this may be the question of life that, you know, hundreds of millions of people have contemplated for decades and not come up with answers, but I just have a quick question. So ask us your quick question. How can we support you? What, what can we do to enhance your life, your understanding of the tools? What kind of issues can we support you in looking at, dealing with, and healing? 
If you push one, that little hand is going to go up. If you don't, it's not going to go up. And we're going to have to get Dr. Tim to talk about something. I mean, he's had a whole week where he hasn't had anything to uh, to share on the radio show, so he's probably got a whole bunch of stuff stored up. Jeannie has a question. Now we may be back in St. Louis. Oh, yes. Jeannie was just reminding me. We, uh, we did do, you know, Doug and Diane, Doug Bingley and Diane Fouts, moved back from Oregon to uh, to Theodosia, or to Theodosia, to St. Louis. And uh, so we did a Why Is This Happening to Me Again uh, workshop on uh, Friday night. Had an awesome group. Actually, we had a couple more people than usually are at their uh, Sunday services. And uh, so we're carrying on a conversation with them about uh, the I think it's the third week in September going back and doing a full week of workshop, the 25th, starting on Sunday the 25th and doing a full week. And if that comes together, then probably we'll also be doing, I'm not sure, it's another conversation we need to open, but there was someone else at the workshop who's from CSL where we've spoken several times over the years. And I said, well, if you come back, would you come and do something there? Of course. So we may do actually two full weeks of workshops in uh, September, early October in St. Louis. So if you're in that direction and you uh, are a member of CSL or a member of Unity, let them know, yes, we want to do this, and we'll, uh, we'll be there, and, and that'll give people the opportunity to do 11 different workshops. We always do the Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop is the opening workshop of every series that we do, so we'll duplicate that one. But otherwise, we'll do 10 other distinctly different workshops so everybody get a chance to... Uh, to play with uh, more and more and more of the ideas and enhance the brain cells and the skills we're using the tools. So St. Louis in September. And then I get to get grandbaby time and daughter time. How cool is that? So how can we support you? What thoughts do you have? What questions do you have? If you haven't utilized the forgiveness processes yet, there's a worksheet called a wake-up sheet on our website. If you go to www.whyagain.org, in the upper left-hand corner, the first words on the top of the page are start here. Just click there. And that will take you into a whole series of links for how to engage in and utilize the process of forgiveness. And... Remembering that we're not talking about forgiveness as I'm going to let you off the hook for something that's going on inside of me. Forgiveness, as it was taught in the original Aramaic, is not pardoning, but rather is the tool with which you go inside yourself, touch into what's at the root of pain, turmoil, trauma, or any form of negative creation, and restore yourself to love in that very same situation. That's to be the problem, you get to stand as a space of love, and when you do, you transform. The first uh, link will take you to a download of Chapter 24, which is all about forgiveness from my book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And then the second link is a link to worksheets. We suggest that you start with the first worksheet on the list, but there are dozens and dozens and dozens of different worksheets on that list for each of the different workshops that we have a worksheet for, and several different versions of the wake-up sheet. 
then the third link will take you into some of our most important radio shows, the ones that uh, we feel like you know really hit the high points of, uh, of how to uh, engage and utilize these tools. And uh, so that's the third link, and that will also give you at least 16 or 17 different radio shows where we've actually walked somebody step-by-step through the whole forgiveness process, either Dr. Tim or Jeannie or myself, and just walk someone right through the whole process from the beginning of the worksheet to the end so you've got a full custom set of instructions for how to utilize the worksheet. And so we invite you to take those. They're uh, each one-hour show, so free MP3. Just click on it and download, listen, uh, put it on your phone, put it on your, you know, your tablet, whatever, and uh, you can listen to each of those. I suggest if somebody's seriously interested in really learning and engaging in forgiveness that you especially download every show where we walk somebody through the worksheet. And, you know, someone might say, well, but it was the same worksheet, so they're all the same, right? They're pretty much, no, not even close. You know, there are different focuses. There are actually several tools built into the wake-up sheet. And so there's a different focus for each person, different issue. And you'll get to build brain cells. It will give you a lot of flexibility with how to use the reality management or wake-up sheet enhance life all around you by doing so. Dr. Tim, anything else that um, that through your week of uh, play and contemplation, I take it you were you were sharing with me, you were bike riding and such, anything else that uh, popped wide open as you're out there in the wide open spaces? It just kind of, you know... Well, but before I go into that... Anything new? Well, yes. before I go into that, um, I would just say I got an email today from somebody I'd seen probably well over a year ago. And um, yeah, can you hear me? Hello? You're loud and clear, sir. You're okay. loud and clear. Um, someone I'd seen well over a year ago who um, was thanking me for <clears throat> sending her the link to the goal canceling video that um, Bill Costantino put together and um, right. just gratified that she was able to comprehend it. She was sharing it with her um, 17-year-old daughter. Um, they're both getting benefits from it. The daughter's doing better in school. And um, so just a plug for that as a way to deepen people's appreciation for the the core of the forgiveness worksheet, wake-up sheet process. Um, I still enjoy watching that video from time to time and just letting it sink in at deeper levels. Um, as you've said, it's it's a beautiful representation of what took you 35 years to comprehend it at deeper levels and for people who like to be who are more visual learners it works well for that it's also good for the uh, audio description and um, so the other thing that was hitting me most and of course I was trying to bring it out in the talk yesterday was that 
at deeper and deeper levels, anything I can do to get myself to focus internally whenever I'm uncomfortable, that's what I need to do. Whether it's breath work or tapping or the worksheet process or prayer or closing my eyes, but the world is proficient at distractions and distracting me from the source of my upset. So as I mentally rehearse every day when I get up, as I mentally rehearse through the day, remember, if there's anything I don't like that I'm feeling, look inside. And one of the the keys I was trying to bring out in the talk yesterday was that that was the core of the teachings. They were feminine in nature, meaning they, they were about an internal perception. They weren't about anything external. And the, 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 ma- the major disruption that happened, as you pointed out so often, probably was when it went from the Aramaic into Greek because they simply didn't have words for all of those internal constructs and concepts. Dr. Tim? Yes. So as I'm listening to you, um, one thing that I've noticed the last uh, 10 days or so um, as far as the theme with my clients is is guilt. And um, some people are talking about, you know, for, for bad behavior while they're under the influence of drugs or alcohol or um guilt from being, you know, three years old and, you know, not being able to call 911 and, you know, bad stuff happened. So then, you know, I'm thinking about, as you're saying, about going in, and that and that makes a lot of sense because, you know, that nothing can cause this outside thing. But when you're talking about, you know, guilt or shame, you go in there and if people don't, um, you know, watch it, they play around with that stuff and, and they get deeper levels of guilt or shame or helpless or hopeless. So um, as far as that distinction goes, I know it's a, kind of a general question, but that might well, be confusing well, to people. But Well, the, the point is that any unpleasant, uncomfortable, physical discomfort or mental or emotional discomfort is my alarm system, and it's trying to tell me, Tim, you're making an error. Your thoughts are off the mark. You've chosen the wrong things to focus on, either internally or externally, because the source of creation is what's keeping your heart pumping, keeping your breath moving even when you're not thinking about it. All it wants to do is grow and expand and have compassion and joy and creativity and aliveness. So everything that's less than that has been created, either out of traumas in the past or downloads about traumas from the past or incorrect assumptions about how the process works, focus on the external, etc. So if I go inside and I feel more upset, then I stop and I take a breath and I say, okay, you know, I, I, what Sylvia Borstein would say, put my hand on my heart and say, listen, sweetheart, Timmy, you're in pain. Take a few deep breaths, relax, then we'll look at what's going on, then we'll decide what to do. Um, gentle, loving, t- 
teacher. These three words were used uh, a month or so ago when I was giving the talk at Unity in Rockford, and the woman who was the platform assistant opened with those three words, gentle, loving teacher. Our creator, the creator of all it is, is a gentle, loving teacher. And this is very, very different than what most religions would teach, where they've externalized the creative force. But if the source of creation is what's keeping my heart pumping and my breath moving, all the Creator wants is for me to be healthy and happy and extending that joy and love and creativity in every action, in every breath, in every statement. One of the things I was using yesterday in the talk was, you know, this body, this mind-body unit you have here, some would, would, would describe it this way, in, in way of mastery, they describe it as, a very temporary communication device. And you get to decide, you get to choose, I would say, if we're going to use Michael's words, you get to choose what you want to communicate. Do you want to communicate a negative emotion? Because if I do, I first get the original, and then I might want to send it to someone else, but they don't have to buy into it. The other thing is you mentioned this guilt business, and especially in the addiction circles, all of the 12-step groups, I have listened to so many people lecture about the value of guilt, and I've never seen it actually work that way. What I've seen is guilt leading to more pain and suffering, which leads to more urge to escape the pain and suffering, which leads to more of the behavior that landed the person in the 12-step group to begin with. I can't tell you how many times through my year-long internship at the inpatient, outpatient HMO setting in Chicago at Rush Press St. Luke's, where we did groups, you know, five days a week, I can't tell you how many times people came in talking about how guilty they felt about their relapse. And they felt more guilty about their second relapse than they did about their first, and more guilty about their fifth than they did about their second, and more guilty about their 17th than they did about their eighth. The guilt just kept piling up. And people would encourage them to use that guilt to motivate them to get their act together. And it just doesn't work that way. Guilt is not a pleasant feeling. It's not a loving feeling. And so if we look at what we were talking about earlier, if it's not a loving feeling, if it's anything less than love, it's literally an alarm system trying to wake me up to the fact that I'm creating an error. I'm living in a hallucination, an illusion. I've, I've bought into the dream of separation, And when I step into the recognition with a few breaths, just a few deep breaths and focusing on the breath, maybe with my hand on my heart saying, Timmy, sweetheart, relax, you're in pain. And I step into the realization that the thing that's making my breath move through my body 
and keeping my heart pumping is the same thing that's keeping everybody else's breath moving and everybody else's heart pumping. There is only the one creative energy. And if I breathe into that and become aware of that in the moment, then it simply isn't possible for me to do anything negative, hateful, insulting, injurious to anyone at any time, including myself. If I'm coming from that space of realization of the truth, that there is this energy that connects us all, that gave rise to us, and that's there to be expressed and extended in every interaction, that includes with me and my own thoughts. So, I'll take a breath. I'm not sure I stayed on target, but that's what you prompted with your words, Michelle. No, that's that's not really helpful. And um, I'm actually sitting with um, a client, and her head was bobbing the whole time. She's gotten it. I'd like to add another piece to that, Tim. Yes, yes. Yeah. On the, the idea of guilt, what I've found is that guilt precedes the action. It doesn't come after the action. Guilt is the attractive energy. Once you program, for instance, a kid, if you do this, you'll see so bad, so wrong, so guilty, then guilt becomes the energetic attraction to doing that behavior. It's like that part of the mind lights up. I'm sure if we were, you know, hooking somebody up and looking at a brain scan, we'd see when guilt happens, that part of the mind lights up that holds that behavior, and that becomes the attractive energy that draws people to do the thing that they say doing that made them guilty. I say guilt made them do that. And when they start to dissolve the guilt, then the attractiveness of that behavior just dissolves and goes away. I mean, it's the exact opposite of what the world teaches, as usual. Have you, does that observation look, sound accurate to you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a cycle. And so, you know, which came yep. first, the chicken or the, or the egg, doesn't really matter because once they're there, unless something breaks that cycle, the, the more guilt I have, the more discomfort I have, without tools to dismantle the discomfort, what's going to happen is I'm looking for a way to avoid it and that I usually go back to the very same behavior that got me in the process to begin with. Exactly. Well, and also another thought I want to put into your conversation, Tim, was uh, you mentioned the, the PowerPoint presentation that uh, Bill did and hand-in-hand hand now, we didn't have this, but these two videos can be watched in either order. Actually, each one enhances the other. If you watch the PowerPoint first, then watch the second video. If you watch the, the second video, then watch the PowerPoint. And you can kick back and forth between them at least a dozen times each, and together they'll make a much greater whole. And it's a new, you know, it's only been on the website or on our uh, YouTube channel for a few weeks, but the... Uh, new ACIM, What is the World, What is Forgiveness? It's a 39-minute video that goes into the forgiveness process. It looks at how literally the world of false perception is created and how we get stuck and how forgiveness collapses that. And so now together, I just, you know, I just so appreciate uh, Bill's skills 
at putting together that PowerPoint. It took a year, and we've actually got some edits to do on it. We've talked about doing some sometime soon, but uh, it's just you know such a precise piece of here's how it works, and all of a sudden you know canceling a perfectly wonderful goal makes perfect sense once you see and understand how the mind works. And so uh, for those who are really wanting to build the brain cells for that on a deeper level, and, uh, it took me 30 years to understand it and to, to, be, to, be, to get into a space where I was willing to hear it and be taught that the core of why and how the forgiveness process works, then this 39-minute video, which if you click, if you go to whyagain.org, on the right-hand side of any page, you'll see all the social media links. And the bottom one's a little red and white uh, square with an arrow in it. If you click on that arrow, it'll take you to our YouTube channel. And if you look down the list, you'll see a picture of a blue book, which is called A Course in Miracles. And the title of the video is 39 minutes long. is ACIM, What is the World, What is Forgiveness? And then supplement that with the PowerPoint presentation, and so if you look down the list, you'll see a, uh, a picture of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again, another blue book. And it's a 20, I think it's a 24-minute video. So that'll help people to identify it. And that one's entitled PowerPoint. Uh, that's the first word in the, the presentation, the only video. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of videos that people can watch. But, um, but those two just, they tickle me every time I look at them because uh, it's, it's so cool to have that out there in the world where anybody in the world can access it and in you know in less than an hour understand what took 30 years to learn and to be able to hand that to people and to get that level of comprehension is just uh so delightful for me and uh i certainly appreciate the technology world that allows us to do the things we're doing to take this and make it available on a global scale it's pretty uh pretty amazing And so, Michelle, does your uh, does your client that's there have anything to share? Any questions? Any way we can support her? And I know for many people, this conversation at first, oh dear, we're down to ninety seconds. So I'm just about to I'll let go of that conversation now. Well, actually, uh, if um, any questions, go ahead. Well, um, just to comment on you said that the guilt drives the behavior, and um, she was doing a behavior that she said she didn't feel guilty. Um, while she was doing it, she, she said, oh, you know, when my guilt came up, you know, after I stopped doing it. So that doesn't make sense. And so actually it does play fit because you weren't aware of your guilt while you were anesthetizing it. And then you stopped anesthetizing it and it all pops up. And then she's, oh, maybe right. you're right. So it was great because at first, at first blush, she yep. says, nah. So, that was yeah. nice. so the Thank question you. would be: Was there hostility involved? Was there hostility involved in behavior? And the hostility, of course, is a drug. So if we're anesthetized, we're not aware that it's there. But if you really start looking energetically, uh, it's it's what brightens up and lightens up. Oh, there's an interesting behavior. It's the one with the energy. So, and at the last few seconds, so we'll just say much appreciation, everybody, for sharing this space with us. Uh, take a copy of the uh, MP3 of this show. Share it with somebody. And create the best year of your life. It's not some blessings. Awesome.